Thanks for joining us today for a special Hope for Today. In today's podcast, you'll be able to listen to this past Sunday's message at Hope Church titled, Hope in the Waiting. If you've never joined us at Hope Church, you can connect with us at hopechurchbhm.com slash connect. Thanks for joining. We are glad that you're here. Today, my message is titled, Hope in the Waiting. Hope in the waiting. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Waiting is an art that our impatient age has forgotten. Isn't that true? (laughs) Our culture today is so boom, boom. I want everything now, everything immediate. We can do curbside service at Target. And if we're there before and they're not ready for us, we're upset. Or are we like, hey, I pre-ordered my my chilies to go when I go to the chilies. And it's not ready. What's the matter? We've been trained to have everything immediately. A.W. Tozer wrote, The great test of faith is to wait on God, not expecting to push a button and to get whatever we want now. These quotes strike me personally this morning because if I'm honest and I'm transparent, uh, I can be impatient. I can be impatient in life. Uh, if Just to give you a, a snapshot of that, uh, for Christmas, Ashley bought me a ukulele. That was my gift. I've been playing that ukulele for a week and a half. It was my Christmas gift, and I couldn't wait because it's sitting in the house, and I'm like, I need to play it. Uh, I mean, am I going to learn to play the ukulele on Christmas Day? I need to do it before uh, so I can serenade everyone on Christmas Day with my ukulele playing. Um, but that's just how I am. You know, maybe you're, is, do we have any other people who just enjoy opening gifts a little early? Uh, or somebody's like, no, I've got to open it on the day. Uh, I, that's, I, I understand both perspectives. But, uh, but I know that waiting can be difficult. In the spiritual aspect of it, waiting is not easy. Waiting can make a minute feel like an hour. Waiting can make an hour feel like a day, a day feel like a week, or a week feel like a month, and a month feel like an eternity when we're waiting for something to take place. And this morning, I believe that as followers of Jesus, if we're not in a state of waiting, that we will most likely at some point in our life encounter where we might be in a season of waiting. And I know that waiting is not easy, and sometimes it's just plain old waiting stinks. But the truth is, I know how difficult waiting can be. And maybe you're here this morning and you're you're waiting for a prayer to be answered. Maybe you're here and you're waiting for a healing to take place. Maybe you're here and you're just waiting for guidance. But uh, I want to encourage you this Christmas season, the very thing we're celebrating is that waiting comes to an end. When we're with God, I believe waiting comes to an end. I'm going to say it again. Waiting comes to an end with God. You may be in a season of waiting, but there will be a time where the waiting comes to an end. If you're waiting for healing, I believe that healing will take place, whether here on earth or in heaven. I believe that, and I believe our waiting will come to an end. And sometimes the waiting can feel dark, right? Waiting can almost feel like you're alone and you're just sitting in the darkness, hoping for a glimpse of light. Well, let me encourage you. What do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because... The very light of the world entered human form in the form of an infant. And we celebrate every single Christmas the birth of Jesus because that birth changed history and changed the trajectory of our lives and waiting forever. 
He did. And so this, this Sunday morning, if you're in a, a state of waiting, if you're a place of waiting or you're a place where you feel like maybe you're even in the dark, I want to refer to a scripture here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, where Isaiah said this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What was Isaiah saying here? Isaiah, the prophet of God, was giving a message to Israel. And he was saying, hey, you've been waiting. And you may feel like you've been in the dark. But let me tell you, light will be shined upon you. Hope is here. Light will shine. And then we see a few verses later, he says, For unto you a child will be born. In this chapter, Isaiah was prophesying the very birth and Messiah and the salvation of Jesus. And he was telling Israel, Hey guys, you're waiting. It may seem dark because they were in Babylonian exile. Hey, you may encounter difficult things, but know that in the darkness, the hope of Jesus will come and shine upon you. The hope of God is with you. And the Son will be born. He will be coming. But also understand this. Isaiah spoke this to Israel. Well, guess what? Jesus wasn't born for about another 700 years. That means there were 700 years of waiting. 700 years where they would go through exile. There were 700 years where there would be different rulers in charge of them. And there would be kind of back and forth. And difficult times were in those, that waiting season. But God was still with Israel. God was still for Israel. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're in a season of waiting, there is hope. And in this passage here, what we're about to read here in Matthew 2, we see that the hope comes to those who are in waiting. In Matthew 1, we see Jesus was born to Mary and uh, her husband Joseph. And here in Matthew 2, where we're going to start today, we're going to see this passage and this story continue. So if you don't mind, you can look upon the screen or turn in your Bibles. We're going to read this together. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We're going to pause right there. Notice this, that a stir was already beginning to take place. Jesus had not spoken a word. He had not proclaimed doctrine. He had not healed any blind people that I know of in this moment. Um, but the power of God in human form was already manifested in him. And I believe it was already stirring the waters around him. The ripple effect of Jesus being born was already affecting the, this around him. And he was just an infant. I believe that. And we see that. So and let me just pause here also. Let's take a look at some of these cast members here. The wise men. Um, you know, growing up in America, we hear the song, We Three Kings, you know, of what? Orient, yeah. Um, I don't know what the next word is. Is it far or are? I don't know. Uh, but uh, they, they come and we see that really these wise men probably weren't necessarily kings. Uh, what we see is they were magi. They were, uh, they were astronomers. They studied the stars. They were, they were wealthy. They were very intelligent. Um, and there might have been more than three. We just get the three because of the gifts. We'll find out here in a second. But, but they come from afar. And what we also learn is the scholars show us 
in looking at history that these men came from the east and the orient and a lot of they, the scholars think that they were probably mixed with Jewish descent because a few hundred years before, a group of Israelites and Jewish people had been exiled to the east. And so they knew, because not just here in the scriptures, but other historical texts show that in the Orient area that they had a great belief that there would be a Messiah coming from Judea, even all the way out there. So these intelligent men, these men who studied the stars, would have had a little bit of perspective and understanding that there would one day be a king. And so have that as we're reading this, that little in the back of your head. Um, and in verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So we're going to pause here. Now we see Herod, a new character. Herod, uh, a ruler at the time, he was wealthy. He was a great administrator, but he was troubled. He was crazy, really. Like, to get you to understand who Herod was, this guy was a wild man, a lunatic. Um, he, when he came into office, he murdered 300 Sanhedrin officers just kind of as a power play. He, in his rule, he murdered his wife, his mother-in-law. He would mar murder three of his sons because he was always afraid someone's going to usurp his, his power. He had this, he had this his power complex. And so when we read this, uh, it says, you know, it said he heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem was too, because they knew who he was. They said, this guy is upset. Oh gosh, what's he going to do? And we see that. And um, knowing that's, that's who, who Herod was. This also gives us a little historical context of where Jesus was in the timeline. We know that we have B.C., right, in A.D. Uh, that's where we run in our time frame and our timeline of history. Well, scholars actually say that Jesus was actually most likely born a little bit before the B.C. So he was probably born in a time stamp somewhere around uh, 4 B.C. And because we know that Herod passed away and died about 2 B.C. And uh, so it shows you that uh, where that time stamp is if you're wanting to look at that. But then we see some other characters in this. You know, I don't know about you, but when I've, I've, I've read this story, but I, didn't, I don't know until this, this time I really recognized that there were priests and scribes mentioned in this passage. Who are these priests and scribes? They were people that would have known the text. They would have known the God's word. I mean, they quoted it. They said, yeah, there's going to be one, there's going to be a son. But they weren't really amazed by it, right? <laughs> if you had been in waiting for hundreds, and uh, hundreds of years, thousands of years, and someone said, what you've been waiting for is here, would you go, yeah, we heard there's one, yeah, we know the scripture said there's going to be someone coming. They weren't riled up. They weren't excited. They, they, they had the knowledge, but they failed in the application. They had the information, but they failed in the application. And so we see them, and we continue on here in verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy in going into the house they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. A couple other notes here. As we saw, Herod, a troubled man, had a troubled plan. If you continue reading in this passage, which I encourage you to do, uh, you know that Herod would, becomes angry and he begins, he has an order that all the infant males and young males be murdered because he was afraid that his power would be taken away. But also take note here that the star reappears. I don't know if you're like me, but I like to look a little bit deeper. Now go, what star appeared? Was it like the North Star was really bright for them? Was it like a, a falling star? Was it a shooting star? You know, was it a comet? Uh, most of the scholars that looked deeper and deeper have said that they knew it wasn't, it wasn't a shooting star. They ruled out that it wasn't a supernova, but most likely that it was a conjunction of planets, that it was most likely Jupiter and Mars coming into alignment, and it was extra bright during that time. And the scholars, the wise men, the magi, had a name for the Jupiter planet, and they called it the king planet. So seeing these come to alignment would have spoken to them that, hey, a king that we know is coming, a king is born. And so that adds more into this context. But then we see that, what did they bring? They brought Jesus gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now these gifts we can look at and how they each represent certain things. But what I also know here is that these gifts really provided for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Because they would have to flee Bethlehem and go to Egypt because Herod was crazy. And uh, they would have to do that. I believe God knew that and knew that was coming. And he made sure that there was provisions that would take care of this poor family. God has a plan. So what do we do with all this information today? What do we do with all this? Well, I think we have to have an understanding that there are going to be seasons where we walk in waiting. There's going to be seasons where we may be feeling like we're in the dark. But there's a moment, like we see here in this passage, where the waiting comes to an end and the light shines. And we have to decide, how will we respond when the waiting comes to an end? Because right here, I believe the waiting and the promise that we read of in Isaiah earlier comes to an end. And it comes to a culmination point because Jesus was born. The light was here. They were no longer in dark. What they had read about, what they had been prophesied over, all of these promises came to be answered. And then you see three different responses. Three different responses to Jesus. And I believe that as human beings, we all react to Jesus in a similar way. So I want us to look at the three cast members that we mentioned. We said Herod, the priests, and the wise men. And so she, uh, we've got those on the screen. The first one, we, we can, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves reacting like Herod, which is hostility. If you don't believe me, look at the world around us. There are people who react hostily to the name of Jesus. 
13 Christians are killed every single day around the world just for their faith. The enemy will use people to react hostily to the name of Jesus. Do not be someone who reacts like Herod. Another thing, which I think a lot of times, a lot of people react to Jesus' way, is the way of the priests, which is really indifference, right? I think many times, even, even as followers of Jesus, as followers of Christ, we can have knowledge, we can have the information, but the truth is, the priest's problem wasn't ignorance, it was apathy, right? It wasn't ignorance, they knew the scriptures, they knew the word, but it was apathy, this mindset of, yeah, let me just let life happen to me. But the reality is, we should say, no, I'm going to happen to life. I'm going to say, Jesus, use me. I, I believe in your promises. I'm not going to just be content sitting and letting life happen to me. But I'm going to sit and wait with purpose so that when the moment comes, I will react appropriately. You see, I believe that these scholars and those priests and the scribes knew these scriptures. They learned them. They repeated them on a daily basis. They were in them and they were knowledgeable. But they missed Jesus. That speaks to me this morning, that you can know God's word, and if you're not careful, you can let apathy allow you to miss Jesus. Right. I mean, I could stop right there. <laughs> we can, if we're not careful, we can let the busyness in the mundane day or the mundane of life or the routine of life draw us into comfort so much that we miss out on the calling of Jesus if we're not careful. So this... Christmas season, let me encourage you. Do not be like the priest who walked in indifference. But instead, be like the wise men, the third option. When the wise men encountered Jesus, the scripture said, what did it say? They fell down and they worshipped him. They fell down and they worshipped him. They searched for Jesus. Yeah, they had waited they, but they, I believe they looked to the heavens and they pursued what they were supposed to be pursuing. And when they found it, they fell down, they worshipped him, and they gave him gifts because they wanted to give all that they could do. They weren't just wanting to get from Jesus. Notice that. They weren't just like, Jesus, we found you. Now, this baby, help us. Give me what we need. No, it doesn't say that. It says they fell down. They gave him worship. They gave him his gifts. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave Jesus everything they could because when they finally encountered what they had been waiting for, they knew their life was changed because they had encountered the Savior of the world. So today, be encouraged. Let's react like the wise men. If you, when you, when you have been in a waiting period, and when Jesus, Jesus begins to move, don't choose indifference. Don't react hostily or through an idea or mindset of, oh, I deserve this. No, instead, react like the wise men. Worship. React with thanksgiving. React graciously and respond like he is the king of kings that he is. And say, Jesus, thank you for moving in my life. Thank you for hearing my prayers. Yes, Jesus, keep moving. Let me give you all the praise because I don't deserve the blessings that you've given me. But maybe you're here today and you go, Adam, I would love to react like a wise man, but I am seriously in the waiting season. You go, I would love to react like the wise man appropriately and worship.
worship God. But to be honest, I feel like I, I am just in a season of waiting. Well, let me encourage you, if you are in the dark, be reminded that, like we said, Jesus is the light. As John 1, 5 said, Jesus is the light of the world. Be encouraged, but don't stop waiting. Don't stop looking. When we stop waiting, we stop looking, we become like the apathetic priests. Truthfully, we need to embrace a holy waiting or a um, anticipatory gaze, if you will. What's an anticipatory gaze? I believe it's this mindset and this idea that I'm going to look to the heavens with expectations that God can move in my life. Yes, I may be waiting, but I'm going to be waiting with purpose. So in the waiting, I'm not going to give up on God. I'm not going to become indifferent to God. I'm going to look to God and say, God, I'm here. I'm looking to you. Hear my prayers in my waiting. Hear my prayers in this season. I believe you can move. Uh, expectation, I believe, is a breeding ground for God to do the impossible in our lives. Sometimes we go, where's God? Where are your expectations at? Are your expectations for mediocrity? Are your expectations for you to fail? Well, don't be surprised if that's where you're hitting. Instead, expect God to move in your life. Choose to have God possible expectations. Look at what he's done in your life. Look what he's done in your family's life. Be reminded, because sometimes God will move in our life, but then we'll still re-enter into a stage of waiting. But in the waiting, how it's really how do you wait? God wants you to live with great expectation. I believe that. With a constant, enduring sense that he loves you, that he's with you, and that he's for you. And that he wants to move on your behalf. But sometimes I think that we're in the waiting and... It may seem like God is, is delaying his blessings, but I believe it's because he has a purpose. It's not that he doesn't want to bless you, but I believe it's because he's after a purpose greater than our immediate fix. He doesn't just want to fix your problems. I believe he wants to transform our lives. Part of the waiting isn't just to have our problems fixed Part of the waiting is so that God can move. Part of the waiting is so that God can shape us. You know, I, I mean, I'm not a great cook or great chef, but I can tell you that if I took, Ashley cooked some delicious cookies last night. They were great. If she took those cookies out of the package and threw them in the microwave and put them in there for 10 seconds and then said, here you go, it would be a mess. It wouldn't be good. It would be gooey. I might have some of the flavor there, but it would not be good. But she put it in the oven. It took some time. They come out the way they're supposed to come out. They look nice. They had fancy elf hats on them. And they tasted delicious. I wouldn't have gotten that experience if I would have been just done it on a quick, instantaneous version. I wouldn't have been able to get that. And I believe, I want us to hear me, hear me, that sometimes God is moving in ways that we can't understand and we can't grasp. And he's formulating things and he's shaping us and he's moving things and he's moving people that we may not even have a, just an inch of an understanding of what he's doing. But let me encourage you, he's moving because what does he want to do? He doesn't simply want to fix our problems. He wants to transform our life. 
so that he can be glorified and that we can walk in relationship with him. I believe that. So when we're waiting, understand that we can be waiting in purpose. The problem isn't waiting. It's what happens to our hearts while we wait. I think sometimes we allow the wait to change our hearts in a negative manner. I think sometimes we, we allow our hearts to go in a downward spiral of impatience and frustration and selfishness and an anger in our hearts. I think sometimes we get in that season. And if we're not careful, we'll allow waiting turn to bitterness in our life. Which is robbing us of the joy that God wants us to have even during the waiting. Because I can wait... And let me tell you, waiting is not easy. We talked about this. It can, be, it can feel dark. It can feel lonely. But when I allow my perspective to change and go, I'm not waiting alone. I'm not waiting alone. Because Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He is with me. I'm not in the dark because I have the light with me. I'm not here waiting without purpose because I know God has a purpose for me and he's shifting and he's moving and he's shaping and he may be behind the curtains doing things. I have no idea what he's doing, but I have to trust him and have faith that he can still move even when I don't understand how he's moving. And I can't allow the downward spiral to take place in waiting. And instead, I can stop and look through the heavens and say, just like the wise men, I'm going to look for you even in the waiting. I'm going to look for the king to come in my life. I'm going to look for him to move. I'm going to look for him to shape me. I'm going to look for him to guide me and bring me hope. So in the waiting, let me encourage you, don't look down at yourself. Look up to God and say, God, what do you have for me, even in this waiting season? Are there things that I need to be growing in? Is there an area in my life that you want to transform? Is there an area in my heart that I need to sh be shifted in? Is there something I need to remove in my life? Clean me, Lord, so that I can be the version of myself that you designed me to be. That's what the waiting is for. When we're in the waiting, it's giving God, we should be giving God opportunity to move and to work in our life. This is a little, feel a little random, but I want you to hear this, this thought, this illustration of something I read about recently. The Chinese bamboo tree is a really remarkable plant, right? It's huge, beautiful. If you ever see bamboo, it just feels, it doesn't even feel real. Like it looks, it's too, it's too unique to me. I'm like, did a man make this? Did somebody make this? It just looks, it's, but God made it. And it's beautiful in its own way. But the thing about the Chinese bamboo tree, it starts off as a tiny seed, much like all plants. Um, but when, in the first five years of the Chinese bamboo tree, when it's planted, it'll grow just a tiny little shoot maybe a little inch, inch and a half. And for the first five years, you still need to water it. You still need to fertilize it day after day, maintaining this little seedlet. And it may grow an inch or two within those first five years, but overall, if you looked at it, you wouldn't think of it was anything really grand. But something happens at the five-year mark. At the five-year mark, it has the potential to grow about 90 feet tall in 90 days. If I asked you the question, when did the greatest growth period take place? You'd probably say, well, after the five-year mark. It shot 90 feet in 90 days. Well, the reality is those first five years, though you might have only seen an inch or in, a few inches above the ground, 
underneath the ground, it was formulating a deep, strong root system that was going feet and feet wider and wider, deeper and deeper, so that when the fifth year came, it could withhold the weight and the growth that took place. Why do I tell you that? Because I believe sometimes in the waiting, if we allow God to, he will use us to form a foundation and to grow in our life and to develop us spiritually so that we can handle what he has before us. So that we'll be able to use and be maximized to our fullest potential. Where we have been sitting in a season where we may not have understood why God placed us in it. He could have been moving in our life. Stirring, developing character traits, developing gifts and talents in my life. If I just allow him to. So that when the time comes and he's ready to use me, I react appropriately like a wise man. And I worship him and I say, I'm here for you. Use me. You're the king. So that I can handle what he has before me. I know the waiting can feel like a pause, but let me tell you that even in the pause, there can be purpose. In the pause, there can be purpose. There is purpose in the pause. If God places a pause in your life, don't think it's a coincidence. I believe there is purpose in the pause, but God can be moving. He can be shaking, shaping and aligning things in a manner we don't understand. But let me encourage you, if you're in a season of pause, when he hits play, be ready to react appropriately. What do we see? I had those three cast members up there. People, the Israelites had been sitting in a pause. What felt like a pause. But when Jesus enters, the play button is hit. Things are moving. Things are already stirring. And then you see... People who had knowledge of this, the scribes and the priests, and you saw the wise men. I believe that the scribes and the priests willingly chose to stay in the pause. And they missed out on the action and the purpose of Jesus because they chose to stay in pause. When the wise men said, oh, we're running here. He's here. Let's, let's take advantage of this. Let's find this hope. Let's embrace this hope. Let's worship this hope and let's be different. Let me encourage you, friends, today. If you are in a season of waiting, if you are in a season season of what feels like pause, if you're in a season where things are growing, maybe and you don't even see it, let me encourage you. First, look to God and say, God, if I'm in this season, what do you want of me? What do you want of me? Work in my life. Shape me. Mold me. As Isaiah would talk about, you're the potter, I'm the clay, have your way in me, God, so that when you hit play and when I'm walking in my purpose, in the plan, in the dreams that you've brought to fruition, or so when I hear my prayers finally come to be answered, when I'm walking in my healing, that I will walk appropriately and I'll walk in thanksgiving and a worship mindset, just like the wise men uh, show us today. I can walk in that today. So let me encourage you, if you're in waiting, look to God. Have an anticipatory gaze that God can move, even in my waiting. He can shape me. But not only that, if you're not in waiting, make sure that we are pointing everyone to Jesus. The wise men brought, is brought attention to Jesus. I believe if you have been looking to God, you can't help but bring attention to Jesus. And some people may react hostily. Some people may react indifferently. But let me encourage you, 
Keep pointing people to Jesus. Keep looking for opportunities to engage with Jesus and see how your life will be forever changed. This Christmas season, I know it is busy. I know it is difficult. I know that it can be chaotic some days. But I also know that it is important that we remember why we celebrate it. And it's that the light came to the darkness. The people who were walking in the dark had light shine upon them. And that very light is shining upon you and I today. And we can walk in that victory. Don't choose to stay in the darkness. Don't choose to stay in pause. Don't choose victimhood over victory when God's saying, I've given you light. I'm giving you opportunity. Walk with me. Walk in me and see how life will be different. Let's choose that today, friends. Let's choose that. Let's choose the hope. Our, we believe it. We want people to find hope and bring hope to a world in need. When you find hope, you are forever changed. Allow yourself to be changed on a daily basis by the hope of Jesus so that you can bring it to everyone. Let's do that this Christmas season and watch what happens around us. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads across the room. Thanks for joining us for Hope for Today. If this is your first time joining us, we appreciate you tuning in with us. And we hope that you'll tune in with us every Wednesday for our Hope for Today short devotional that we hope will give you applicable thoughts for the rest of your week. If you're joining us and you say, hey, I would love to support Hope Church and what's going on, you can do so by visiting us at hopechurchbhm.com give. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon.